0: Good morning. Would you please turn in your Bible to uh, Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. We'll be picking up where we left off last week. Chapter 5 verse 11 and following. Uh, As you turn there, I would just like to remind you of the members meeting tonight. Uh, These are vital and important, necessary gatherings in the life of the church. We expect all members to attend these Uh, I'll be giving an important update, uh, several important updates, and and sharing with you all. Uh, We'll be nominating someone to serve as an elder at ECC, and uh, we'll be also uh, voting to affirm our brother Robert Titus as deacon. Uh, So please make it a priority to be there this evening. Hope to see you all. Hebrews chapter 5, if you will pray with me one more time. Our gracious Father, would you have mercy on me, a sinner? Have mercy on us. Would you speak to us, Lord, by your word? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Some things in the world are stranger and more bizarre than you can ever imagine. I recently learned about one such uh, strange phenomenon. Uh, it's called the ABDL community, the worldwide ABDL community. And ABDL stands for Adult Baby. Diaper lovers, adult baby diaper lovers, Uh, and there's a YouTube, there are several YouTube features on these ABDLs, adult baby diaper lovers, I watched one particular uh, feature, Uh, you know, they go around the world and look at various weird and odd things, and so they were featuring this guy uh, who's in his mid-40s, but for the past 20 years has been living as an adult baby. Uh, So this grown man, he loves sleeping in his crib, he loves playing with Legos, Uh, he says he identifies as a two-year-old baby and he says that's the best of both, you can go from six months to two years, but two years is the best of both worlds because you're a baby, but you can also talk and ask for what you want. Uh, He drinks milk and juice out of a baby bottle. Uh, he wears baby clothes, so you see he's mid guy in his mid-40s, pretty big guy in a onesie. And yes, he even wears diapers, and he says, yeah, he wets his diapers and he likes staying in them all day. He has a website to help and serve other adult babies like him. And uh, some of these adult babies will even hire nannies, full-time nannies, to care for them and to change their nappies and give them a bath. I was watching this with my uh, seven-year-old daughter, and the look on her face was priceless. You might think that's funny, strange, bizarre. But in some ways, it's also shameful, isn't it? Disturbing, tragic, abnormal. And the sad truth, dear friends, is this, is that these adult babies, in some ways, are a picture of a spiritual reality in the lives of many Christians. You see, many Christians live spiritually as adult babies. And it's this issue of fully grown Christians who ought to be spiritually mature, but who have regressed and gone backwards into spiritual immaturity, it's that issue that our text addresses this morning. And like those who first received this letter, as we hear God's word this morning, brothers and sisters, we should feel rebuked for our spiritual immaturity and challenged to press on towards maturity. Uh, As we look at the text, you'll see the structure this morning is quite simple. It's in two parts. So chapter 5, verses 11 to 14, is really a rebuke uh, to renounce your sluggish immaturity. Renounce your sluggish immaturity. That's verses 11 to 14. And then verses uh, 1 to 3 of chapter 6 is the challenge uh, to reach forward to spiritual maturity. Reach forward to spiritual maturity maturity. So let's read the text. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained. By constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So we're seeing two challenges in this text. Two challenges that call us to grow up and not be adult babies. Uh, some of you may have heard this famous saying, and I've often heard it said, that the job of a preacher is twofold. Uh, the job of preachers, on the one hand, is to comfort the afflicted, and it is also to afflict the comfortable. So the last two weeks, we've seen the author of Hebrews, and I've sought to be faithful to what he does, is to comfort the afflicted, well, this week and next week, you better get ready because he's going to afflict the comf- com- comfortable. All right? Uh, and so, really, this text comes to us with the tone of rebuke and of challenge. So, the first challenge here, chapter 5, verses 11 to 14 renounce your sluggish immaturity. Renounce your sluggish immaturity. In verse 11, the author says, About this, we have much to say, and it is hard. To explain. So, what is the this that he's referring to? Well, it's the priesthood of Christ according to the order of Melchizedek. Remember, last time I said, oh, everyone's been waiting to hear about Melchizedek and to know more about what it means that Christ is a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, but we didn't go into it. I said the author just mentions it, he doesn't talk about it yet, and so we're not going to talk about it. Well, here's the reason he doesn't talk about it yet. Because he says, You're not ready for this. I have much to say concerning Melchizedek and how Christ fulfills the office of a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, but I can't say it to you. It's hard to explain. And it's not hard to explain because the truth itself is hard. It's hard to explain because your hearing has become hard. You're sluggish. That's what he's saying. He says, it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Why can't we talk about Melchizedek right now, author of Hebrews? Well, we can't talk about Melchizedek because the people receiving this letter have become dull of hearing. The word dull there refers to a kind of sluggishness. These people were once receptive to the word of God. They were Jews Who heard the gospel, who left everything to follow Christ, who had withstood even persecutions for the sake of the name of Christ, they were once receptive. But now they've become resistant. They've become resistant to hearing. It's like wax accumulating in the ears and after a point if that's left unchecked and wax keeps on accumulating, what happens? Your ears become resistant to hearing anything. Well, here they've become spiritually unreceptive and resistant. Who who else has the author spoken of as being dull in hearing? You might remember from chapters 3 and 4, he talked about the wilderness generation, that the word was not united by faith in them as they heard. They heard the word of God. It did not profit them because they were resistant to God's word. They were dull and sluggish in hearing. They had this failure to hear and appropriate the Word of God to themselves, this failure to listen and to obey in faith. And what the author is saying to these people, these Hebrew Christians, this congregation here in Hebrews 5, is that they are guilty of a disgraceful and shameful regression. They have gone backwards spiritually. Important and vital truths have become hard to explain. Because of wax buildup, and, and, and let's be clear here. The issue is not one of intellectual deficiency. All right? It's not just a mental issue. Or th- this is hard to explain because you're not intelligent enough. No, the issue is one of moral and spiritual laziness. It's not just mental laziness. It's spiritual laziness. Spiritual resistance, a resistance to hear the word of God and obey it. Now, I was talking about this uh, adult baby guy with our staff, and and one of them said, well, that guy chose to live as an adult baby, but many Christians, you know, they stay immature because of ignorance. Well, here's here's your problem. Ignorance is culpable. It's a willful ignorance. If you are ignorant, it's because you're willfully ignorant and God's word holds you responsible for your ignorance that leads you to spiritual lethargy and immaturity. And this is true today, dear friends, just as it was 2,000 years ago to the people receiving this letter. Again, remember the context, right? These people were facing, they were followers of Jesus from a Jewish background, they were facing great trials and persecutions, And sometimes, you know, God brings trials into our lives and the Lord uses trials in our lives to sanctify us, to grow us in faith. I've seen trials have that effect in the lives of many Christians where on the other side of the trial they are more godly, more mature than before. But sometimes trials can have the opposite effect on us. Do you see? That's what happened here. These people had faced trials, afflictions, persecution, and it hadn't produced greater godliness, greater passion or fervor to follow Christ. Instead, it had produced greater sluggishness and disobedience and lethargy, second-guessing whether the gospel and, and the truth about Christ was even the truth. And this continues today. I know we as a congregation, we as believers have faced many trials. We've faced this pandemic the last two years. Various other trials, temptations, afflictions that have come into our lives. Seasons of transition and change. And I'm sad to say, and I know this to be true pastorally, as one of the overseers of your souls, that for many of you, this has not caused an advance in godliness, but has led to a regression. Are going backwards. I see even at our church a, a kind of spiritual sluggishness begin to take hold of many people. You've begun experiencing spiritual reversal where your faith has gone backwards from where it was two or three years ago, where your understanding and appropriation of spiritual truth and the ability to apply it to your life and, and to the lives of others has slipped away. Many of you have even come here week after week content to sit down to listen to sermons each week but the sermon just goes in through one year and out the other. Doesn't go into your mind, into your hearts doesn't change your life, doesn't penetrate because you've become resistant. What does this sluggishness and spiritual regression look like? The author uses two metaphors to describe it. Two metaphors education and diet. First, education. Look at verse 12. He says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. So, uh, some of you, especially those from India, might be surprised by this. Uh, but I actually studied Hindi uh, from in the primary school, from the first grade to the fifth grade. Not only did I study Hindi from the first grade to the fifth grade, almost every year I received the award for the highest marks, highest grades in Hindi. I was the best student in the primary school in the Hindi language. And then I came to sixth grade and I switched my second language studies to French. And in a few years... I couldn't speak Hindi anymore. And now you might communicate to me in Hindi, and I will not be able to talk to you in Hindi. You can show me a script, something written in Hindi, and I might be able to read a few letters here and there, and I might be able to form some of the words even, but I don't know it. I don't know what the words mean. Some letters are unrecognizable to me. And if I have to really use or understand or even speak the Hindi language, I'll have to go to school all over again and learn from the ABCs once more. You don't use it, you lose it. Just like anyone who's studied a second language knows. Well, that's what's happened to these people here. That happens spiritually. That happens with truths and the things of God. Where if there's not a constant learning and advance and use of the Word of God, then you begin to regress and go back to where these things become unfamiliar and even the elementary basics become unrecognizable. And then you have to go back to kindergarten and learn the ABCs once again. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It's what some people begin to need spiritually. Look at what the author says. He says, by this time... You ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers by now. As one pastor pointed out, you know, in the early days in the apostolic church in the ancient world, every church was a seminary. That the intent of being part of the community of faith was that we would grow and that the word of God would be planted richly and deeply in us and that we would become useful That each one in the church, he's not saying everyone should be a teacher in the church, like the office of teacher or pastor, but everybody should grow up in their understanding and become useful in the church and learn in the church in such a way that you're able to teach others, right? Isn't that God's command to us? Colossians chapter 3 uh, verse 16, Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. We're all called to this level of spiritual maturity where we're able to instruct one another with the Word of God. So when you come here week after week on Sunday mornings, you're supposed to be as busy as the preacher. You have as much work to do as I do, listening, learning, understanding taking it into your mind and heart, applying it to yourself and then seeking to apply it to others, seeking to grow, aiming to teach others constantly and raise them up in the faith. And the author sees that that's absent in this congregation. Instead, they've become lazy, lethargic, unsure. And he says, I can't talk to you about Melchizedek. I have to talk to you about the ABCs. I have to take you back to kindergarten in the school of Christ. And isn't the same true for many of us? Friends, I speak to you as a pastor who loves you and who is deeply concerned about the state of your soul and the state of your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of you, many of you even, have never even thought that it is your duty to grow in the Christian life sufficiently That you would be able to be useful to others, to teach them God's word, to help them grow. Instead, you've become kind of sufficient and content with being a baby your whole life. Many of you have become barely, you're barely useful to yourselves. And in fact, useless to others. Some of you are even harmful and a drain on others. As so one person said, it is a sad condition when a person can return no answer to the question of what use are you in the church of Christ? That question faces you this morning, brothers and sisters. I want to speak to some of you. You have sat under expository preaching, biblically faithful exposition of the Word of God, books of the Scripture. Some of you have sat under this for years and years. Some of you have sat under expositional preaching from this pulpit for decades even. And yet even now, after years and years of listening to the word of God, you are still a passive, sluggish, disobedient consumer who hasn't grown. I want to speak to the men here in this congregation Do you aspire to the office of elders? Many of you ought to be teachers by this time, the author says. Some of you men have been here long enough and have heard the word of God long enough that you ought to be teachers by now. You ought to be an elder in this congregation by now. But the same lethargy and immaturity that marked your life 10 years ago marks your life even today. Dear friends, this ought not to be so. Don't remain in kindergarten in the Christian faith. It's time to grow up. We need to grow up. The first metaphor the author used was that of education. The next metaphor is diet. Diet. Look at verses 13 and 14. Uh, He picks up in verse 12. He says, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You need milk, not solid food, the author says. Oh, look at you, you all become little milk babies. Let me get you your bottle. Put your bottle in your mouth. Milk babies. Well, you want to hear about Melchizedek? Forget about Melchizedek for now. You need your milk. What is it that marks milk babies? You see what he says in verse 14. In verse 13 there, he says, Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. To be unskilled in the word of righteousness means that there is an inability to articulate the truth. An inability to articulate the truth, an inability to apply it to oneself, and to apply it to others. You're in the community of faith, but you're a baby. There is no ability to walk in righteousness, to help others walk in righteousness, to speak the truth in love. This metaphor of milk versus solid food was a common uh, illustration used in the ancient world to describe different levels of growth and education. And the author is applying it to these people. Did you see what he says in verse 14? He says, solid food is for the mature For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Solid food is for the mature. Friends, true saving faith in Christ results in growth. And with that growth, there comes an appetite, a hunger for good food. A hunger, an appetite for the deep things of God. A hunger, an appetite for the deep, deep things of God's Word. A desire for meat. A desire for solid food. When someone grows up into an adult and still wants to drink milk and juice, there's a problem there. There's something not right. It's abnormal. This is why we construct our worship gatherings the way that we do, by the way. When you come here, we want to serve you up a mixed grill. Of all the different kinds of meat that you can feast on and enjoy but many of you come here wishing I, I want a little more entertainment little lights off, eyes closed friends that doesn't serve your spiritual growth we want to help you grow we want you to have a desire for meat for kebabs, from the word of God, in the way that we sing, in the way that we pray, in the way that we read and hear the scriptures, that you would grow. We want our community, our church, to be marked by a constant practice of the word of righteousness, having our powers trained by constant use to distinguish good from evil. Did you see that? That's, that's the mark of spiritual maturity. The ability to distinguish between good and evil. Where your powers of discernment are trained. So spiritual maturity is not just knowledge intellectually or just conceptual knowledge. No, it shows itself in obedience, in Christian obedience. You distinguish good from evil and you walk in that which is good. That's the mark of someone who is mature. Your powers of discernment have been trained. And you know what is good. And you walk in it. On the contrary, spiritual immaturity doesn't distinguish right from wrong, good from evil. And therefore, those who are spiritually immature are marked by disobedience. Habitual disobedience, spiritual laziness. So what are some signs of immaturity at ECC? Again, I speak as someone who loves you, who is concerned for your heart before the Lord, for the state of your soul. What are some signs of immaturity here? Well, on the one hand, there are signs of doctrinal immaturity. People who have a simplistic view of knowledge and of doctrine. Oh, well, I don't want to, you know, really talk about all those advanced things. I'll I'll leave it to the elders. I'll leave it to the pastors. That's kind of too much for me. I'll I'll just have and walk in a kind of a simple faith in God, a simple faith in Jesus. My friends, no, that's not simple. That's simplistic God has spoken to us and revealed himself to us. Shall we not hunger and thirst to grow up into the knowledge of him? How can you love someone that you don't really know? You know, there, there, there are numerous other marks of spiritual immaturity. You, you know how children are sometimes, right? Parents, you, you, you get it, right? The children, uh, especially with the, the immaturity or when they're teenagers, sometimes children you know, the, you, you see this kind of pattern of they will listen to anybody else except to mom and dad, right? I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever anyone else tells me and I'm not going to do what mom and dad tell me. And I see that immaturity here, mark my words, among Christians. You have faithful pastors, you've had them for, for years. God has blessed this church with faithful pastors who work hard, studying 20 25 hours a week writing sermons to faithfully feed you from the word of god to faithfully call you to faith and obedience and what do you do you can't you don't listen to us you don't want to listen to them instead you go google something and now you're the expert after 10 minutes of googling or after watching a 25 minute youtube video of some spiritual junk online feeding yourself on candy and snacks And then that junk food leads you astray from the truth of God. And then we are left to come and try, try to plead with you, please, please. I want to teach you the ABCs again. I have to keep repeating, how can we move on? How can we move on? to spiritual maturity, to deeper things, to talk about the truth of Christ who is the high priest according to Melchizedek when I have to keep on persuading you, pleading with you, arguing with you about the importance of gathering physically with the local church. Basic, something that's as basic as that. I became a Christian 17 years ago and from the time the Lord brought me to faith in Christ, it was so clear and evident that the foremost priority in my life each week was to gather with the saints for worship. That's clear. That's our duty unto God. And yet so many at ECC, this is just such a casual and light thing. I'll come one Sunday, I'll miss the next. I'll come two Sundays, I'll miss the next three. I'll show up when I want. Oh, pastor, I attended online. Yeah, sure you did. Friends, do we really have to keep going over the ABCs again and again and again? For some of you, there's still the ABCs of trying to teach you and talk with you and help you grow in your understanding of the importance of the local church in the Christian life. You think that your Christianity is all about me and Jesus and my private love relationship with Jesus. Well, there's no such concept in the New Testament. Just read it, your friends. Christian life is lived out in a community of faith. Some of you have been attending this church for years, but I still need to go over with you the ABCs of church membership of baptism, being baptized in obedience to Jesus' command, committing yourself in covenant to your fellow members, showing a concern for your brothers and sisters in Christ, living in community with other Christians, not just showing up and then darting out and nobody knows who you are and you don't know who anybody else is. Still have to teach you the ABCs again and again and again. Still have to teach you that the Christian life is about Caring for other Christians. So many of you live with this complete indifference to the spiritual well-being of others. Or only sticking to those Christians from your own ethnic background and cultural background. Forgetting that Christ has made us one. That Jesus died to gather us from the nations and put us into a family with one another from all the nations. Oh friends, you want to talk about Melchizedek, but you're not even convinced of something as basic as church life. Many of you posting on Facebook all day long, all your different spiritual thoughts and ideas, but won't humbly serve or pray for your fellow church members. Spiritual immaturity is revealed not just in failing to learn and grasp spiritual truth, Spiritual immaturity is revealed in failing to put into practice all that God commands. Friends, this state of affairs is not good. It's not good. As you keep reading, and next week we'll see in chapter 6, the author issues one of the fiercest warnings in the New Testament. He warns these people against departing from Christ. And that's closely linked to our passage this morning. It means that spiritual immaturity ultimately leads to apostasy. If you stay a baby your whole life, sooner or later, you're going to die. And you can be in the best life group, the best church, you can listen to all the best Bible studies, And still come to a frightful end. As one person said, many souls, under the best of means, come to the worst of ends. Let's renounce that immaturity. It's dangerous, it's shameful, and it is repulsive. It's just as disgusting as a full-grown man in diapers, drinking from a bottle and sleeping in a crib. So how should we respond? How must we respond? That leads to the second challenge in this passage. We saw that we should renounce sluggish immaturity. Next the author tells us to reach forward to spiritual maturity. Reach forward to spiritual maturity. Look at chapter 6 verse 1 and following. Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. The author says, not just to a few Christians, not just to some guys in the church, but to the whole church, he says, let us go on to maturity. Maturity is not just the goal of a few elite followers of Christ. It's the goal of every Christian. It's the goal of the entire community. We must all together go on to maturity. And if we fail to do that, the results will be disastrous. Look at verses 4 to 8. We'll look at those next week. It's a warning. Dear friends, there is no neutral. You understand? There is no neutral in the Christian life. You're either growing up or you're going down. You're either progressing or you're regressing. Either you're pressing forward or you're falling backward. And as we keep falling backward, there will be the danger of falling away. I want to clarify here because sometimes there's some confusion. He says, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. So some people would take this to say, oh, well, then let's, we don't have to keep talking about the gospel anymore. And that's not to be understood that way, right? If you read Hebrews, especially if you read chapters 7 to 10, he spends all of these chapters talking about the gospel deeper and deeper and deeper. No, we're to go deeper and deeper into the gospel message. Nor is he saying this, you know, leave that behind, forsake it, abandon it. What he's saying is, I don't want to have to lay that foundation again and again. I don't want to have to persuade you again and again of the same things. There comes a point at which you should be persuaded and convicted and passionate about these things. And now we can talk about more things and go deeper and wider into these truths. In verses 1 and 2, he gives us three pairs of the basics that we don't want to have to lay again. Do you see that? There's three pairs repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God. That's how we begin the Christian life. We repent from our sins that lead us to death. We turn away from sin, we make a U-turn, and we put our faith in the living God. We put our faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross to save us from our sins. Repentance from dead works and faith. These are two sides of the same coin. This is how you start the Christian life by repenting and believing. And then he says of instruction about baptisms, of washing, instruction about washings and the laying on of hands and uh, there's some debate about what these two refer to again i think he's talking about the start of the christian life he's talking about christian baptism why is it in the plural baptisms well he's showing you how christian baptism being baptized in jesus christ is different from the purification washings of old that's primary instruction for these jewish christians was you need to be baptized in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit in allegiance to christ for so many of you, I have to keep teaching this over and over again, try to persuade you to be baptized and join the church through baptism. He says that's elementary. And, and the laying on of hands, again, this is uh, highly debated. Some people think that it refers to uh, the initial, when, when a person became a Christian, they laid hands on them and prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Others think that it refers to the laying on of hands. You see most commonly in the New Testament, is the laying on of hands to install people into uh, the office of elder and church leadership. Uh, I I personally, I mean, it's kind of hard to decide, but I lean towards the latter. That That's pretty basic, to understand the office of leadership in the church. Baptism and the laying on of hands, and then resurrection and eternal judgment. That one day we will all die, that there will be a bodily resurrection when Jesus Christ comes again, And at that point, he will judge the living and the dead. And we will eternally either go to be with the Lord in his heavenly kingdom, in the new heavens and the new earth, or we will face eternal judgment, punishment for our sins. That's foundational. Those are the basics. We don't need to keep persuading you of this again and again. And and for some of you here this morning, maybe this foundation has not been laid for you. Maybe you've never had this foundation been laid or it's never penetrated into your heart. Maybe you've never repented and believed. If that's you this morning, I want to share with you. The Bible teaches that God is holy and righteous. He is our creator and our judge that we have sinned against Him, that we have committed heinous deeds, works that lead to death, dead works, and will lead to eternal judgment. Yet God has been merciful and gracious to us in that He has sent His only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lived the perfect life that we could not live, who died the perfect death as a substitute as a sacrifice, pouring out his blood, bearing the judgment that sinners deserve under the wrath of God, so that whoever repents from sin, repents from dead works, and puts their faith in Christ, would receive the forgiveness of sins, and would be saved from eternal judgment, would be promised a resurrection from the dead in glory, to be with the Lord forever. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, this foundation hasn't been laid in your life, I want to call you, dear friend, to repent from your dead works, works that will lead you to death and put your faith in Jesus. And if you'd like to hear more about that, any of us would be glad to meet with you and talk with you after this service. So brothers and sisters at ECC, I'm speaking to you. If this foundation has been laid, then we must grow up. How do we grow up? Well, chapter 5 verse 14 showed us, right? The mature are those who have the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. We grow up through constant practice and training. Through habitually seeking to understand the truth, With our minds, apply the truth in our own hearts and apply the truth to one another's lives and walk in the truth together. Like I told you earlier, you have as much work to do as the preacher does. Or more. You're going to spend all week applying the truth of God to your life and to the life of others. You need to invest yourself in training yourself. Read books. Read the Bible. Read good books, good material. Ask us. We'd be happy to recommend to you, you know, 20, 30 books that you can read over the course of years to equip yourself, to train yourself. Don't just pick up some spiritual junk. God has called us and appointed us to be your pastors. It's our delight to help you grow up and to recommend things for you to read. So what books do you read? Do you even read? Keep on reading. I want to ask the men here. I'm speaking to you men. Are you reading? Are you growing? Are you working hard to lead your family in the ways of God and the word of God? If, if you're not doing this then no wonder you're worried about the state of your children. Some of you are not even worried about that. It's kind of carrying on through life on autopilot. Men, equip yourself. Don't be an adult baby. Women, I want to ask you, sisters, are you growing up so that you can keep yourself from being led astray? Are you growing up so that you are skilled in the word of righteousness and applying it to others so that you can share the gospel with the lost and build up other women in the community of faith? I'm, yes, even speaking to the children this morning. Children, you might be children physically, but you need not be children spiritually I'm calling the children to grow up spiritually into maturity. Your example is the Lord Jesus Christ and no less, who at 12 years of age was in the temple instructing grown men from the word of God and amazing them with what he said. That's your example, dear children. Keep growing in the word of God. Instruct others, instruct your parents with the word of God. Working hard. I want to ask all of us are you participating in the life of the church? Are you committed to others? Are you involved in the lives of other Christians? Not just clinging to a few of your own ethnicity or completely anonymous over here. No, invest yourself in this family. That's how you grow up. Train one another. Train your senses by constant use. Now our vision at ECC, we've often said this, is to grow disciples from the nations, to be gospel ambassadors to the nations. So brothers and sisters, as God's word instructs us, let us press on, reach forward, grow up. Verse 3, this we will do if God permits. If God permits. At the end of the day, we are called to do all we can to make the use of these means, but all growth comes from our Lord. And so seek Him. Let's seek Him in prayer. May God bring growth. May the Lord permit us to increase in the knowledge of him. May the Lord grow you up in the knowledge of him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray, Lord, that we would humbly submit to your word and seek to grow up into maturity and in godliness. In Jesus' name, amen.